we did the same thing this week, right? Uranography? Mm-hmm. The star one? Yeah. Okay, good. Because I started yeah. researching. I got home at 7 o'clock today, uh, and I started uh-huh. researching at 7.30. Oh, nice. And Why don't you tell everyone what time it is now? Uh, it's 8.38 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Daylight Time. So my work is having this like random guy make a replica spacesuit for one of the mannequins so they can ship it to a trade show. It's a whole thing. Um, sure. But I looked at this guy's website and mm-hmm. he's like into space artifact, space memorabilia dealing. Yeah. And there's a show on Netflix called Space Dealers and we watched <laughs> it yesterday and it was really cool, <laughs> but it was so funny. That They're, was like, fun. One of them was, like, working with the museum, and she was like, oh, I got to go find, like, some Russian stuff because they want to do a Russian exhibit. So she goes to this guy who, like, collects Russian space memorabilia, or space, like, not even just memorabilia, but, like, junk. Space junk. Yeah. Like, pieces That's of That's a Devo song. Space junk. And she gets there, and she's like, oh, this is really cool. Do you have, like, the certification that this, like, actually flew? And he was like, no, I don't. So she's like, let me give a call to Dave. So she calls Dave Mm. and she goes over to Dave's house and he's like, it looks like it, but let me confirm with my Russian friend. So he like called his Russian friend (laughs) and and then he comes back. He's like, my Russian friend is 95% sure that it flew. And so the like certification of it is Dave's Russian friend said that it went into space. But it was very fun. I love that. Oh, thank you for the YouTube video. You're welcome. Space so this, drunk by so, Diva. So, so this is me cute. Mm-hmm. You didn't pause this time. You were ready. Pause where? I'm I'm trying to be better about it. Try to be on top of it. Yeah. Uh, this is our podcast mm-hmm. that we do. Yep. And we talk about all the places that art and science intersect. I'm Lauren. And I am not a crook. Uh, I'm Lee, and I'm most definitely 1,000% a crook. Hundo P. Hundo P. This is why the give and take of this interaction works really well. Yeah. (laughs) This week, we're talking about urinography, which has nothing to do with peeing and everything to do with the stars and peeing on the stars. You could, theoretically. Theoretically. Um... I feel like we haven't I'm made... I'm going to take it away. Okay. Oh, what? I feel like we haven't made a big enough deal about the fact that it's Ography Month. Oh, yeah. We can revisit that. I don't think... I think we talked about it in the first... We're uh, like, yay, Ography Month. And then we didn't but, talk about it last week. But re- Well, and this that is was our, touchy. Yeah. It, it was a very touchy subject. Um, this, uh, this is our penultimate... Ography month episode the penultimate episode of our first ography month and i just want to say thank you uh to me for editing the episodes and for <laughs> sometimes doing research uh I'm but mostly so moved. not i know yeah um i'm very happy that it's ography month i'm happy that we've made it this far that we've survived yeah. all of our trials and tribulations 
Biography <laughs> month started out as a joke. Biography month. And now it's the real Maybe thing. to you. None What'd of this has been a joke to me. Hmm. This is the most important thing I've ever done in my life. You're the most serious person I know. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk first? You seemed real gung-ho about it. I've been talking the whole time. Why is there so much animosity going on here today? It's been a very in the studio. In the studio, it's been a very long day. Uh, in the yeah. studio, it's uh, I don't know. So this week we talked about urinography, my inography, our inography, mm-hmm. which is a branch of cartography and astronomy that deals with mapping the stars and other astronomical bodies. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is you. I do have an astronomical body. <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. Um. So, basically, everything that we know about space comes from light and how we can interpret light and measure light measure you know where the light is positioned things like that so the question i tried to answer today Mm -hmm. was how did people map the stars before the advent of computers right because like i don't know growing up in the digital age it's easy to be like oh computers can do this and computers can do that Mm -hmm. um so the earliest forms of celestial sightseeing was mm. performed with devices called quadrants. Oh, okay. So if you imagine a quarter of a pizza, it's got a right angle and then it's got the crust. Way ahead That's of you. That's basically, uh, you got it. There's going to be a lot of pizza references uh, in this episode, God. so I hope you're ready. Finally. Um, so that's basically the shape of what a quadrant was. Okay. Um, and they were used for determining the altitude of something in the sky, mm-hmm. which helped people with drawing maps, right? So you yeah. could go out at night and see how high up something was, go and, and draw it in your little map. Yeah. Um, they're called quadrants because obviously they're the, a quarter of a circle. Yeah, I was going to say there's four of them. Um, there's, or they're about a quarter of the size of an astrolabe. Um, which are the original sea navigation devices. Okay. Um, which have basically the same functionality, but were more useful for determining latitude of where you were. Um, and some of them are modified to be able to tell time. So they're more, astrolabes are more used in sea navigation, things like that. Yeah. Um, whereas quadrants were a quarter of those for use in looking at stars, mapping stars. Um, So quadrants could only be used to determine the position of something if it was less than 90 degrees above the the horizon Mm -hmm. because it's a 90-degree angle that the sides of the pizza meet. Mm -hmm. Um, But this really isn't an issue in the case of the sky because anything over 90 degrees, you can just turn around and measure from the other horizon. Right, yeah. So there's a lot of different types of quadrants that are used for different applications. Most of them, I think, for, like, navigation and things like that. But in astronomical quadrants, there's a cord attached to 
the little tip of the pizza hmm. with a bead at the other end. And that bead would represent the position or the measurement of the body in space mm-hmm. as it was measured along the crust of the pizza. Okay. And some of them are marked with like the sun and the ecliptic positions of the earth, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a standard, I guess, so you could know where things are positioned. Yeah. Um, eventually, these quadrants evolved into sextants, which nice. is one six. <laughs> nice. I'm going to talk about them a lot, so if you say it every single time, it's going to be a lot. That's fine. I edit the show. I can okay, here. Perfect. Let me say it. Let me say it a selection of times all in a row, and oh, then I'll just, just put it cut in. them in. Yeah, where we need them. That's nice. perfect. Nice. 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 There you go. I can Good work job. with that. Can you make that my ringtone? I can. Uh, I have a nice soundboard now. Amazing. I'll make it an app. Please. So, <laughs> these um, sextants are called that because... They're one-sixth of a pie rather than a quarter of a pie mm-hmm. or a pizza, pizza mm-hmm. pie. Yeah. Um, so there's two types of sextants that I nice. looked up and I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's mural sextants and framed sextants. Nice. Um, mural sextants are named uh, not because they're paintings or mural in that sense, mm-hmm. but rather because they're mounted fl- flush to a wall. Okay. Um, so if you took your pizza slice and you nailed it to a wall, slammed it up against the wall. Way ahead of you. I can see that. (laughs) Follow along at home with your own pizza. (laughs) We forgot to tell you this is an interactive episode. Everyone bring your own pizza. Yeah. B-Y-O-Z. Bring your own za. Mm Mm-hmm. With, okay, so you're going to put it up against the wall with Mm -hmm. one of the crust edges Parallel to the floor. Okay. Or not crust. The non-crust edge. One of the non-crust edges parallel to the floor. Mm-hmm. So that the crust kind of sweeps along. My pizza's I guess, the horizon deep up into dish. The sky. Is that okay? Ooh. Thin crust only. Sorry. Uh, New York style or GTFO. Have you had deep dish though? No. I would never. I've had it twice in Chicago. And I wanted to throw up yeah. after both times. It just, just seems like a nasty it's a, quiche. It's a lot of cheese. It's like, it's just a lot of cheese. Yeah. Ugh. I can't, I can't do ugh. it. Anyway. So the first known sextant uh, came from Iran in the year 994 Ooh. Uh, to measure the obliquity of the ecliptic earth, which is basically the tilt of the earth, axial tilt of the earth. I am no longer way ahead of you. Yeah. You didn't bring your obliquity of the ecliptic with you this week? <laughs> I know. It was in the notes. It was in the show God, notes. I should have done it. Was it. In the sh- it was in the to-do list. The yeah. good housekeeping list. The good housekeeping. Where are my notes? I don't know. So this, this sextant was really nice. big. It measured 20 meters along the non-crust pizza edge, mm-hmm. which is 60 feet-ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. And had a 60 degree arc, which makes sense if it's a sextant. So 360 divided by 6 is 60. Mm -hmm. Um, The main improvement of this sextant over previous 
quadrants in previous other sextants was that rather than being able to just measure the degrees and the minutes of the position of something, mm-hmm. it would be able to measure down to the seconds mm. of the position. So it was, yeah. it was more accurate in that sense. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Um, so they used this summer... Uh, damn. Um, they used it during the summer and the winter solstices to calculate the tilt of the earth and they could also determine the latitude of where the sextant was located mm-hmm. hmm. nice. um, so that's a, a mural sextant frame okay. sextants are similar but instead of hanging your pizza on a wall mm. it's your pizza is placed on a tilting pedestal mm. once again way ahead of you i see yeah, yeah. i see I have a second pizza here, and it is on a tilting pedestal. Well, we've only talked about one quadrant and one sextant, so you should really only need one pizza. This is a one pizza project. One whole pizza. Uh, There's no such thing. Okay, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Moving on. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So frame sextants are on a tilting pedestal. Mm-hmm. Mostly with the point toward the point of the pizza mm-hmm. pointing up towards the sky and the crust sweeping the ground. The the beginning of the pizza. The entrance point of the pizza. Yes. Unless you're an no. animal and you eat the crust first. There's no nobody does that. There's no. That does the, these are all non stuffed crust slices. That would change all the math. Um so this allowed the sextants to be used in many other orientations over the mural sextants, which were just mounted on the wall and kind of stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could be, these ones could be used to measure the distances between two celestial bodies rather than mm-hmm. just the distance from the horizon to that celestial body. Mm-hmm. Um, and the measurements were mostly made using an alidade, which is basically um, like the site. Of the sextant, like what you look through to to measure. I don't think there's an analogous. I know, in terms of pizza. Yeah. It's like if you left the little table on the pizza and then you tried to peep through it. To line up the pizza with your mouth hole. Uh, I don't think there is a good analogous pizza structure yeah i don't know sad days yeah every metaphor falls apart it falls apart i'm sorry we got pretty far though we did everyone everyone throw your pizzas out we're done with them yep you can't take it home with you we have to use this for the next class (laughs) (laughs) so the alidade the part of the pizza that isn't a part of the pizza Mm -hmm. um Allows for the alignment of the pieces of the sextant. Nice. And it's the piece that like you look through or you line up to do the measurement. Okay. I tried to look up a video of how these like ancient ones worked, mm-hmm. but it was like really hard. All of the ones that came up had to do with navigating sextants, mm-hmm. which are different because they use mirrors and reflection and like they're more handheld and you look through them mm-hmm. and it reflects the sun through to give you... Yeah. A location. Yeah. 
Um, but I couldn't find anything on these astronomical ones, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yeah. I mean, so. were they just not as common because they were being used for research rather than for navigation? Or were they still I being used for be navigation? Part of it. The these ones weren't the these two specifically weren't because I think framed ones and um mural ones sextants weren't because they're really big. Um they kind of had to be huge so that you could measure to some degree of confidence. Right. Um, but I think quadrants were you were more popular because they're much smaller and you could hand hold them and just measure right. away. Yeah. Um and and quadrants are derived from the astrolabe which is already used like a handheld object in use for navigation, so that might lead to why quadrants are more popular. Mhm. Um but yeah, the sextants just I think were too big um to be used. And they they didn't really do anything that the handheld navigating ones could do. Mhm. So those ones are more popular. Yeah. That makes sense. And so eventually the sextant evolved into the more modern telescopes with mirrors and lenses and things. Mm-hmm. And so currently most of our space sightseeing comes from satellites and computer controlled telescopes. Mhm. Yeah. But I think it's really cool that like they're still just observing things with their eyes. And right. taking measurements that, that they know they can take. Right. And and mapping things out. I think that's really, really cool to have like these pretty well pretty close to like modern precision of maps of the stars um that people did, you know, in nine yeah. ninety four, right? Yeah. No, that's wild. So a thousand years ago. Yeah. Bef- even before Galileo, like people think mm-hmm. of, oh, Galileo is like the father of astronomy, and you know he's he's the man. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of, especially with um, Islamic cultures in the Middle East, they did a lot with, um, like working with the stars and interpreting the sky and things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's where cool. all of our math comes from. Yeah, and and it's like pretty closely tied with calculus and geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I remember learning in in one of my calculus classes that the the way they like figured out the diameter of the Earth or the radius of the Earth was by like making this huge pillar and it would cast a shadow and like every day they'd measure it somehow and so they would just take measurements of things that occurred and then they used calculus to determine how round the earth was how the circumference circumference of it which they used to determine the diameter yeah no that makes sense like yeah it's it's just cool to see yeah that's awesome i'm a big fan i am too i love pizza everything's better with pizza that's true so there's my what did you learn this week uh, what did you learn an hour ago? What did I learn today? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I I learned about planetariums. Mm. I'm going to one tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yeah, at the Buffalo Science Museum, they're doing uh, like 
Space Fest, but they have like an adult only Space Fest after hours event at seven. Yeah. And they have the planetarium open and they're going to have the telescope open and stuff. Ooh. So that should be cool. We should have yeah. done that after that. I know. Yeah. Oh, well. There's a lot happening tomorrow. Carly Rae Jepsen's new album comes out. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're going to be posting this episode in a post Carly Rae Jepsen's new album. I know, but we're recording in a pre-Carly Rae Jepsen's new album. I'm going to be a different person next week. I know. I'm going to be a whole different person. Um, So planetariums are attributed mostly to the Greek mathematician Archimedes, um, which is a name that I think most people have heard, but just kind of peripherally know who he is and what his whole deal is. Um, and, uh, that's how I feel too. I don't really know much about him, but, uh, I guess he did the first planetarium. The oldest working planetarium is in the Netherlands. Um, it was established in 1781 by Ice Isinga, which is a name that I don't know how to say. Um, but his last name has the same first three letters as his first name. So whatever. But he did this in the living room of his house. Uh, it's a museum now, and it's not a planetarium in the sense that we would think of a planetarium now. Like, it doesn't have a projector. Like, it's it's basically there's no pizza. There's no pizza. Just like you know, what a what a waste of a planetarium. Um, it's basically a big clock. It's a big planet clock, and mm-hmm. it is. It's on the ceiling of what used to be his living room. And, like, it's very, very cool if you look at it. It's driven by a pendulum clock. Uh, I guess the, um, like, it goes by the, like, it. it's a timekeeping device, but it times mm-hmm. out the movements of the planets, you right. know? Um, and I guess they only have to replace the... Um, like the year counter every 22 years, which is not very long in the scope of how long this planetarium has been around, but in terms of like Mm -hmm. how effective it is and like how well it's still apparently working, like that's pretty crazy, you know, that it's, it's been around since the 1700s. No. And that was, I thought that was a weird number and I wasn't really sure. Um, what the deal was with that, but I'm sure that it wasn't intended to have the longevity that it has. So I'm sure it was just, that was, you know, how it got measured out on whatever he used initially, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what he fit with the space that he had. And that's just what they've been replacing ever since, which is wild. What Um, are they replacing? The year counter. The year counter. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but and I, yeah. I I tried to look into this one a little bit more because I was like, this is gorgeous. Like, it's absolutely beautiful if you look it up. Um, but mm-hmm. all of the, uh, like, YouTube videos about the museum and stuff are in Dutch. So I was like, I'm not really learning anything Ooh. from this. This isn't inf- giving me yeah. any new information. Um, but maybe someday. Uh, so this planetarium is what's considered an orrery, which is another terrible word to pronounce. 
um, which is <laughs> a clockwork model of the solar system. Um, so yeah, like it's it's not it's not a projector. It's not you know there's stars overhead and you can look up and it looks like the night sky. It looks mm. absolutely nothing like the night sky. It looks like a big clock map, and it's very cool. Um, Does it have the to do first... with like when the planets are? where in yeah. the sky like it keeps yeah. track of that that's really cool yeah no it's absurdly cool it's really really gorgeous and it's wild to me that it's been around as long as it has mm-hmm. um it's also like i watched a little bit of the tour of the museum if that was his house those are really nice house and like obviously it's updated and it's a museum now so it's not the way that it was when he lived there but like mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful building and it has a really nice backyard and i'm jealous and i want to live there I want to put a time on my ceiling. I, we can't. Let's buy it. We can't just buy everything that we see on this show. And then we could put Star Lab in it. Yeah, or Skylab, not Star Lab. No, it's Star Lab. Well, I thought you wanted to buy Skylab. I do. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, I'll call my friend Dave. Yeah. <laughs> He'll get if, on it. If you would like Lauren to be able to purchase Skylab. <laughs> Please tell your friends about this show. Please. Um, it'll give us the power to keep going. The, the will. Yeah, the emotional fervor that we need to keep making you incredible content like this. The first pre-programmed planetarium lecture was in 1967. The first pre-planetarium. That's exactly what I just said. Um, <laughs> the first, uh, the first pre-programmed planetarium lecture was in 1967. Uh, it was done by Philip Stern, who was a lecturer at the Hayden Planetarium in New York. Um, and he had the idea to record a lecture and pre-program the planetarium projector to play along with the recording. This is a nightmare episode for plosives. I am so sorry to me that has to edit this. Planetarium. <laughs> yeah. Sex tint. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Kick the desk. Yeah. Uh, let me read you... Rest in peace, you. Mm-hmm. Let me read you this excerpt from Wikipedia that I think is wild. Okay, um, okay, okay. So he developed this thing, and he was like, this is a great idea. Um... But apparently, unable to pay for this himself, Stern became the head of the planetarium division of Ulex, a mid-sized audiovisual firm on Long Island, which is just like not a career trajectory. That's not a thing that you do when you have an idea. You're not like, oh, I had this idea. This is a really cool idea. But how am I going to pay for it? And then you become the boss of the like of that thing at an already extant company that's not how that works that's so weird like the like I, i'm sure that it's like post hoc ergo propter hoc like i'm sure that it's right, like right. not that's not the exact trajectory of it um but i was like that's an insane thing to say mm. that he couldn't pay for it so he made it his job like in a way that you can't do that but I don't know. Um, so he made this Apollo Planetarium. That was the name of the model that he came up with. Um, and it came with a couple different options for pre-programmed shows. I think that it came 
stock with like you could choose one of two and then you had add-ons they had like 30 add-ons or something like that Mm -hmm. um or you could make your own um and they sold a couple hundred before vulex went bankrupt in the late 70s for and i'm going to read you another quote reasons unrelated to the planetarium business (laughs) which i would argue that most (laughs) companies that go bankrupt it's for reasons unrelated to the planetarium business and so I tried to kind of look into it because I was like, that's a wild thing to say. Like, did Philip Stern write this Wikipedia article? Sounds what is like it. What is he hiding? Um, so mysterious. But I, they don't even have a page on Wikipedia. And like, they do have a website. So I was like, I don't know really if they are a thing again. I don't really know what that's mm-hmm. about. Um but yeah, they went bankrupt for reasons unrelated to the planetarium business. Which well, thank God, haven't we all? I'm bankrupt for reasons unrelated I'm, I'm to the planetarium tired of business. Going bankrupt because of the planetarium business. When will it's, somebody have the courage? It's an epidemic to step in and make sure this doesn't happen any longer. I know. Call your senators. Call your senators. Um, I don't know. I was like, that's a strange a strange thing to say um planetariums as we know them now uh a lot of them are just screens um which feels like kind of a derogatory way to word that but like there's not that much interesting they're in just it. screens they're just screens like i'm sure that like there's an absurd amount of like technical engineering like i'm sure there's a mm-hmm. ton of engineering that goes into it i'm sure it's a huge technical feat to make a planetarium in any context but like we all know what a screen is you know, yeah. we all know how a screen projects images to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like, we interact with them every day of our lives, whether we want to yeah. or not. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't think there's anything there. But planetarium projectors traditionally were globes with lights on the inside mm-hmm. and uh, pinpricks for each star projected, which seems intuitive until you think about the fact that um, the early ones, like the ones now, like the way that, like, lighting technology has evolved that's not a wild thing you know to be Mm -hmm. like oh like it's fiber optics it's whatever like we have that technology now to project a small pinprick for like through a hole and have it still be a small pinprick but they're doing this with incandescent light and incandescent light spreads it spreads like Mm -hmm. crazy so Mm -hmm. the way that they got around that and the way that they got these projectors to work each of the individual pinpricks that the starlight comes through has a lens in it. Oh. Like it has a t- they each have a tiny little lens in it that makes it possible to project onto the wall a pinprick. So they have to be like a decent size. They can't be mm-hmm. super super small. Um and planetarium projectors were kind of big for a very long time and they're really like I don't know, like I'm sure that the people who worked with them felt that they were kind of obtrusive. And I'm sure that at the time people were like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I wish this could be smaller. I can't see the other side of the planetarium. Um, But they're absolutely gorgeous. Like they're really, really cool. They're really cool machines. Mm. Um, They are, uh, they're usually mounted so that they can rotate because planetariums are geocentric models of the solar system. Essentially they match the rotation of the earth. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can go from, dusk to dawn you can go through different uh 
night skies throughout the year that you would see from your location from another location on on the globe like you can go through that kind of stuff with Mm -hmm. the ability to rotate they they almost look like barbells kind of like suspended Hmm. in the center um it like they almost look like a seesaw even like it's kind of that same no not a seesaw what am i thinking of Put it in terms of pizza, that may that might help. Yeah. Um you know how like sometimes you're at your grandma's house eating pizza and next to the pizza box on the counter there's one of those birds that drinks out of the glass and then it stands mm-hmm, back up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's kinda what it looks like, except they rotate fully. Yeah. I tried to look up so uranography and Uranus have the same root yes. word. But it comes from a Roman god, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this webpage is just... <laughs> I this webpage just says, how did Uranus get its name? <laughs> That's, I think, a good question to leave everyone with. Um if you'd like to tell us how Uranus got its name, you can email us. Hello at meetcutis.com. Um, I'm going to put myself out of my misery here. I would like to thank She's a Spy uh, for the time that they spent making our song that we put on our show uh, and for allowing us to continue to use it every week. It is a pleasure and an honor, and you can find them on Spotify. You can tell us how Uranus got its name at... At our website, meetcutest.com. And I mean, also, I guess please technically tweet us. you can. But that's not really how it's set up. That's not really how it's You just designed. go to the website and then you yell and you- <laughs> at your computer how Uranus got its name. Yeah. Um, or you can tweet at us at meetcutest. Please share with us how Uranus yeah. got its name. And maybe we'll share with you how. How our anus got its our, name? Our anus. Our collective anus. I hate this so much. I hate this podcast. We'll be righteous back next week. I say more stuff. What do you usually. say? Uh, I say if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. 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 <laughs> so, you can find Spotify. Spotify. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, and Spotify uh, by searching for Meet Cute. Uh, and you can also rate and review the show on iTunes if that's your purview. I can't. Please tell us you how you just got its name uh, on an iTunes review. That's the only way that that we can. Yeah. Know. That's the only way to reach us. Um, mm-hmm. No, I... Yeah, if that's what you're into, do it. But if not, I can't make you. Because um, if I could, a lot more of you would have done so already. So. But alas, here I am. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right just back next week. Maybe. I don't know.
We <laughs> might <least>. be canceled. <laughs> At the very least, Lauren will be righteous back next week to tell you all of the unfortunate circumstances of my passing. <laughs> this is the last will and testament of Lee. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's the May she righteous in peace. <laughs>